In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... Diet Starts Tomorrow with host Sammy Sage I'm having a relationship with my pizza and Aileen Drexler I'm gonna make you girls a hump day treat in a world where wellness looks perfect on Instagram Just doing my workout Tuesday's arms and back but feels anything but in real life Is butter a carb? Yes This is the podcast exploring the emotional side of well-being I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie from people who understand the struggle I'm on the third day of my cleanse diet Hello and welcome to Diet Stars Tomorrow. I'm Eileen. I'm Sammy. And today we have an amazing guest. We have Kelsey Lindell. She's a fitness instructor and influencer, disability advocate, and she was recently named Well and Good's first ever Disabled Trainer of the Month. And we're so excited to have you. Thank you, Kelsey. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Us too. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us like your story? How did you get into fitness? All of yeah. the above. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, so I, I was born missing half of my left arm. Um, it's it's called a radio club hand. Um, it looks different with every single person that has it. So um, I gym class was the one class that I almost failed multiple times growing up because I would skip class and I would forge notes to get out of it um, because I felt really singled out. It was like the class that I had the most, I guess, it just... I. I felt the most different in that class because everyone else could like easily catch a ball or like play these dumb sports that don't actually matter, right, in the real world. So, um, I I just have a question. Did no one say like you don't have to do this because like or like you could do something different? Like, was there ever any suggestion of accommodation ever? Well, so the only kind of accommodation was then. So because I would feel so awkward and my parents thought that I was like trying to like get out of class, they put me in the special ed gym class and or they would pull me out of my class with all of my non-disabled peers and be like okay we're gonna teach you how to throw a ball versus like here's what everyone here's something that everyone can do we're gonna practice this with you like you're good at math so we'll just take you out of math and so we'll just like practice this thing with you um it it was just really it was strange Yeah. Um, so I, I just, I always thought I hated exercise except for dance. I grew up dancing and my dance teachers actually at my studio, they made it like so fun and they, they did exactly what you said. Like, here's what you can do instead. Like it's similar, but it's different. It's what's going to work for your body. And I thought I just really liked dance and music, which I mean, obviously I do, but, um, I think I just liked being included and I liked feeling a part of things. And so I thought I hated exercise um, but I, I always dance. That was my exercise of choice. And then once in, when I was like 17 years old, I ruptured my Achilles and I couldn't dance anymore. And it was like the hardest, saddest thing at that point. I was distraught because it was like my outlet and like, yeah, I loved it. And, um, I didn't really know what I was going to do because I was going to go to school and I was going to dance in school and study dance and education because I wanted to be a dance teacher because of the huge impact that my dance teachers had had on my life. 
And I was raised in a, I mean, trust me when I say I'm not in this culture anymore, but I was raised very conservative, um, evangelical. And so I took a year off and I did like volunteer work. Volunteerism is what I would call it now. I totally judge myself for those, like some of the like thought processes that I had back then. Um, but I was, I was just volunteering with kids that were um, often removed from previously abusive homes that were put into different shelters in South Africa and in um, Argentina. And these kids, they could not understand why my arm was the way that it was. And growing up, like my parents got me to talk about my disability on the first day of school every single day. So I'd like literally start on the first day of school and they'd say, hi, my name is Kelsey and this is my arm. This is why it is the way it is. I was just born this way. Does anyone have any questions? Because I was bullied a lot. And Um, My parents thought, you know, if we can get all of like, you know, people don't what they don't understand to make fun of. So if we can get some of that out of the way and we can like demystify it, maybe you won't get teased as much. And I think it was really good that we did that. But like I've been talking about disability all my life and I work with kids all the time. And like, you know, I'm really good at explaining it to kids like you have blonde hair and blue eyes and I have brown hair and brown eyes and you have 10 fingers and I have eight. And like everyone's just different. And kids here could get it, but the kids there couldn't. And I thought it was because they'd had, you know, pretty interesting home lives up until the point that I met them. But actually, they just never, literally never seen somebody with a disability because people with disabilities are often shunned in a lot of countries. And so it just kind of opened up my whole worldview to like, what the heck is going on? (laughs) And like, I stayed there for four years working with an organization that works with the only school for disabled children in all of the Western Cape in South Africa, which is called Tembaletu. And I just, I fell in love with fitness at the same time. The church that I was involved with, with the foundation, um, was super health conscious. And in some ways it was not healthy, but in other ways, I mean, it got me to fall in love with fitness again. So I don't know. What kind of fitness? Like what, what was the gateway? gateway? Yoga. Yoga sculpt was my gateway drug. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I loved it. I fell in love with the combination of breath and spirituality and movement. Like it feels like you're dancing like on dance. a dance. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I think that's why I loved it so much. And same thing. It wasn't the fact that I like loved this format so much. I did love it, but the, the teachers were really helpful. Like they were, they went out of their way to make sure that like, okay, you can't do a chaturanga. So what can you do instead versus being like, Oh yeah, you should do like, you know, I mean, I've had teachers tell me like, oh, you should do a one arm chaturanga. Otherwise you're not going to honor your body. You're only limiting yourself. And I was like, yeah, fuck off. Just go ahead and fuck. Sorry, can I say that? <laughs> yeah, yes. oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, you can go ahead and fuck right off. Also like this hand is disabled too. It doesn't look like it, but like both of my hands have disabilities. So like I couldn't do a one armed one, even though it looks like it to that person that I might be able to. So it's just a really interesting interesting when, world. Can I ask you when, when a teacher or someone says something like that to you, do you, what's your initial reaction? Do you push back or? Now I would. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've not always been confident in my disability, right? And I mean, I've had people when I'm just like working out at the gym, minding my own damn business, come up to me, wow, you're such an inspiration. Like I exist, my workout is just yeah. there to inspire them, which is <laughs> disgusting. So, I mean, like, I used to like, oh, wow, thank you. And I used to really want to be an inspiration to people. And now I just want to be seen as normal. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. totally. I look at, like, sure, like, in a way that's, it, it's people's ableism showing, but they mean well. They really do mean well. It's just that they haven't normalized disability in their world, right? So, but when I think about, okay, if that's how they're coming up to me, 
they're viewing me as like a tool for inspiration. But what if somebody can't do these things? Then do they just view them as like not worthy? So that's like always where my mind goes now. It's like it's not just like, okay, cool. That person thinks I'm inspirational. It's like, well, what is inspirational about this? And then what does that mean if I couldn't do this? Because I think a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on, oh, wow, this is what I can do despite my disability versus just recognizing that people with disabilities are valuable, even if they can't meet your aspirational, ridiculous standards. Right. But hearing you speak, though, I feel like it is inspirational, at least to other people with disabilities, too. Like that. I think that it would make a difference. Like even the people listening to the podcast, hearing you say like, now I push back. Like, I think that that makes would make a difference in in their mind if they aren't there yet, you know? Oh, totally. I think it's, I think it's a different situation when somebody with a disability says it versus somebody who's able-bodied and has no idea who I am and has no idea what my story is. Just rain, like, doesn't even (laughs) ask me my name, you know, (laughs) like absolutely nothing. Like, no, I I get it. I totally get it. That could be great. So it seems like you've really like evolved a lot in terms of your thinking about basic, I mean, everything. Yeah. So can you, so how did that evolution happen? And do you feel like it's reflected in, let's say like the fitness world now at all? I have to say like the 2016 election and leading up to it, a lot of my thinking changed. Um, I, I mean, my last name is Lindell. I, I, I do want to go on the record and say I am from Minnesota, but I am not related to Mike Lindell, my fellow guy. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think of it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But... Amanda from Sub has yeah. asked me that before. She's like, Kelsey, I have to ask. Are you oh. related to Mike Lindell? I'm like, oh, my gosh. Not. I feel like Lindell is common enough that, like, I yeah. wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't yeah, have but guessed. Yeah. But good. I'm glad you're not related to him. <laughs> yeah, me too. But I was raised in, like, a very conservative, conservative environment, right? And it was really interesting to me to see how like, you know, my parents, especially my dad, was one of my biggest allies in like advocating for me and my rights and what I needed in schools. And like he would go and make sure that all of my shirts on the left side were hemmed so that my, I couldn't hide my arm, that it like the fabric wouldn't hang over it. He wanted me to be proud and show it off and be like, yeah, no, this is just part of me. This is who I am. Um but then to see that they, those, you know, that care for me didn't translate to like the care for everyone. I think that was a huge catalyst. And I think some of it started before then, like when I was in South Africa, I was like, wow, my life was different than my peers growing up. Right. Mm -hmm. But I was allowed to attend school. Whereas 95% of kids born with disabilities like mine will never attend like even kindergarten in Cape Town. And then I was like, that's, this is bonkers. <laughs> like this can't happen. Um, and so I think those two kind of cattle, those were two huge catalysts that made me realize that like, yeah, I'm a disabled woman and I do experience microaggressions and you do experience ableism, but it's nowhere near what it is for other people. And so it doesn't really matter if I want to be inspirational because that's actually going to make it harder for other people because what I can do may be seen as inspirational, but that's that's the issue with the portrayal of like the super crip, which is a common stereotype. I don't know if you guys have heard of that or if your listeners have heard of it, but there's quite a few tropes that you see when people with disabilities are represented in media. And one of them is the super crips, like the Paralympian or like the super aspirational athlete. Like if a sports <laughs> company ever features somebody with a disability, it's not just, you know, somebody who's wearing athleisure and doing their best right happens to have a limb difference or be you know whatever like have down syndrome and it's just doing their normal workout it's always this like super athlete and then 
what that does for people who have the same disability or similar disabilities that can't do that, like physically will never be able to, is it puts this mindset in able-bodied people's minds of like, well, what's wrong with you that you can't do these amazing things when this person can? And so, yeah, I think that's kind of like, just like seeing that there's all of these ripple effects from how people with disabilities are portrayed that like, I can't just sit by and be like, yeah, okay, I can be the cool aspirational you know, fitness influencer, like, I want to raise hell, like, cause a scene so that people's rights are protected. Well, I think what, I think what, um, I think what a lot of people don't appreciate about, like, a person who is, let's say they're in the super crip category, Mm. is that, like, it's not that they overcame this disability. This disability often is why they are in that category. And I think there's like not really an appreciation for that, that like along with what the world views as disabilities, like come other strengths that allow them to achieve that. And like that part just completely is missing. It like is fully like an overcoming story and not like an actually they have like assets that got them here. Totally. It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages and you scoop it and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they'll completely refund you if your picky cat won't eat their food. Now is the time to make the switch to Smalls. Head to smalls.com slash DST and use promo code DST at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code DST for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code DST for 50% off your first order plus free shipping, baby. So you recently posted your latest post um, Mm. talks about like diet culture Mm -hmm. and how it's a combination of ableism and capitalism combined. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. I mean, so diet culture, right? It's like making you feel inferior about your body, which is stems from ableism. It's, It's what it is. Right. And then capitalism is just making money off that. So it's this world that we live in where everyone's trying to get rich and people are making tons of money off making people feel inferior. And here's the thing is like, I mean, as people who are body positive and I actually prefer the term body neutral, I try not to think about body positivity. I just try to not think about my body. Um, I, (laughs) the idea that like, we're, we're always in this thought process of like, okay, how do I change my body to this or that or this or that? But people with disabilities will never fit the mold of what everyone else is trying to fit into. And so like fat phobia, ableism, they all, it's uh, fat phobia and ableism are just as linked as anything else. Like people with disabilities 
are left out of the conversation right now because we talk about fat phobia and we talk about body positivity or body neutrality, but we're not talking about it with in the like regards of like how do people with disabilities fit into this because there's always like you know there's microaggressions in this world or in like the diet culture world about like well I don't care what you look like as long as you're healthy right but like what is health like who what about people with disabilities who will never be your quote-unquote healthy right like I think it's important but as like a fitness professional I also think it's important for us to do our best to take care of ourselves but that includes like mental health includes spiritual health emotional health physical health and like also realizing that everyone's health journey looks different and what somebody else can do to be their healthiest self is going to be different than yours and it's really nobody else's business and everyone deserves the same amount of respect all the time Mm -hmm. totally so let's talk about like the fitness industry and some things that you've i guess like encountered and some issues with it so Tons of fitness professionals just have really no experience with working with people with disabilities. And that is like what really leads people out of the conversation. So can you Mm. talk a little bit about all of that and how you are working against it? So, I mean, I just want to go on the record and say how fucking ridiculous it is that you have to do continuing education as a fitness professional. You have to like continue your education credits every single year. You have to take some sort of sort of course or retake tests and stuff like that. But none of it none of your continued education is ever about people with disabilities or making modifications for people with disabilities. And like disability doesn't have to be a limb difference. Like my disability could be pregnancy, like short term, right? That's considered a short term disability. None of it focuses on that. Like you have to go out and seek that out. It's not required by any gym. It's not required by any studio. Like I taught at like some of the biggest gyms and some of the biggest studios in the country before I started my own thing. And none of them, absolutely none of them had anything for people with disabilities. And I would always have to, when I would go to a new class, I always felt the obligation to go 10 minutes early. If I'd never been there before, it was a new teacher. Like, hi, I'm Kelsey, I'm missing half my arm. Um, what are we going to be doing today and how can I modify? And I had to take that upon me to go seek that out, which I mean, made me really passionate about this, but it yeah. shouldn't, shouldn't be the case because I'm also a very outgoing person. And walking into a fitness studio for the first time or the first time in a long time is really intimidating for a lot of people and they shouldn't have to do that. And so some things that I try to do is I always start off by saying your class, not my class. Um, I always start with like a very simple level and then offer other levels to make it, I will say like, I'll make it spicy or we'll add some more impact, but I won't say to make it harder or easier because that also makes people feel bad. If they can't do the harder one, then they start to talk themselves out of it and feel like shit for having to do, you know, the baseline exercise, but the baseline exercise is still designed to work your body and give you a great workout. Um, if I see somebody with a disability or they are nursing an injury or I, I notice something that maybe um, is going to require them to have some modifications. I'll just go up to them and ask them about it. And I don't, I don't make them feel weird about it. I'm just like, Hey, I see you have this limb difference, or I see you are in a brace. Can I get you some props to help with that? What are your movement limitations? And, uh, another great thing to do is to ask them, how do you refer to, if it's a disability, say like, how do you refer to your arm or how do you refer to your, dis- or your disability? Most people will say I'm, I have a disability or they may want to call it by name and let you know what it is. Um, they may just say, oh, it's actually just a short-term injury and here's what I know I can do and here's what I can't. So I think it's really important to go up to a student and like say, hey, 
I noticed this. How can I help you? And make sure that they know that you're there for them. Because I think a lot of instructors feel like, oh, I don't want to make them feel weird or feel like I noticed this thing. But they already know it. And they already feel awkward about it. I promise you, they already feel out of place and like in a way because the industry isn't like this. So if you can be that voice that goes and says like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm here for you. How can we do this together? They're going to feel really empowered and really successful in your class. Yeah, I'm thinking back on like every class I've ever been in. They're like, does anyone have any um, injuries? Raise your hand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, that's so And then not... they don't see you too. Totally. Yeah. If you do raise your hand, like I've had an injury and I like raise my hand and they just don't come. And I'm like, I guess I'll just run Ignore through it. it. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Well, another thing that I sometimes do do, because you won't catch everyone's like when I used to teach at like a studio that was like brick and mortar, like at one of the huge clubs here, I'd have like 75 students in a hit class and I, I'm not going to see everyone every single time when they come in if they right. have a minor injury and so what I would do is I'd get on the mic like 10 minutes before five minutes before and say like hey if you have an injury or something you're working through today or a limitation you might just be sore from your last workout let me know so that I know and I don't want to push you past something that doesn't feel good for you mm-hmm. um, because I do like if you if you if you don't have some sort of limitation, like a coach's job is to push you and make you feel successful and stronger, but also you don't want to, you don't want to create an injury. So then it gives them the opportunity to come talk to me if I haven't found them. So I think those two combinations are really important. Definitely. And I think another thing that gyms could do is also like an instructor's gym, gyms should require this of their instructors is to have equipment that can be used for modification. So um, I don't know if you're just consider this is my hand, so I can grab a weight now, but it took me years of doing yoga sculpt and bar to be able to just the grip, the grip is really difficult for me. So even though I can bear the load, the grip was impossible. And so, um, what I used was some, I would sometimes use bands. So I'd use like a versa loop band, like a booty band, and I would just create resistance that way. Or I would use a long band and create resistance that way and tighter on my wrist. Now, I mean, bala bangles are the best thing that ever happened to people with limb differences. They're amazing. And so having those equipment, that equipment on hand for your instructors to use for people that have limb differences, and it's not even just a limb difference. It could be any sort of disability or injury, anything um, is really important. And teaching your, teaching your instructors or your trainers to have multiple ways to work the same muscle in the same workout is really important. So if I know we're going to be doing like a hamstring focus, I'm going to have four or five ways in the back of my brain to work it. Even if like, let's say we're using big weights, somebody can't pick up a big weight. I'm going to have four or five other ways that I can show them to work the same muscle that works for them and uses different equipment. So I think those yeah. are some other really important tools. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And 
They're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N U U L Y.com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. We have a bunch of listener DMs, but two of them are really, they hit close to what we're talking about. One is from the perspective of someone in the class taking a class and another is from the teacher so one teacher asks as a yoga teacher how can I be more inclusive in class other than offering modifications yeah I mean I think the best thing you can do is to demystify it so go up to them talk about it say like hey I noticed this whatever and I think the other just your vocabulary is really important so like I said not saying here's the easier or here's sometimes I don't even call it is a modification but don't call it here's the modified version, right? Another way to do this pose is this. Another way to open up your chakra or expand your arms or something like that so that it's, you're using more inclusive language and not just saying like, oh, here's the modified, here's an easier version, come to your knees. You're using language that fits for everyone because who knows, like the option you offer even if somebody doesn't have a disability, it might fit better with them. And they've been fighting taking that modification because they're worried about taking the quote unquote easy route. So I would just say like, pay a lot of attention to your language and make sure that the language you're using isn't, you know, because even in talking about like hard or easy, that's ableist language too. So like talk about another option or here's another way that those would be kind of Mm -hmm. my my is main there, things for yoga. Is there something so, uh, someone could say like in the beginning of class, maybe not even about modifications, just about like the vibe of the class or like I feel like the totally. first or the intention or you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, depending on the class that I'm teaching, I mean, I always give some sort of disclaimer of like this is your class and like nobody knows your body better than you. I will never know your body. You could come to my class five times a week for five years and I still won't know your body better than you. So whether like you might, need to take do something different than what I'm saying and that's a-okay and we so something we say a lot in my classes we celebrate modifications because that means you're listening to your body you're not just listening to me and like that's the best thing you can do in any class is to listen to your body prevents injury you actually get stronger that way because you're listening to yourself and you don't ever want to be codependent on like one instructor one teacher if you're exercising you want to be able to exercise by yourself if you need Mm -hmm. to so I think it's really important to always, I mean, I guess that's just common practice for me is I just always start with that, whether it's yeah. a hit class or a bar class or a yoga class, it's, it's always listen to your body and that we're going to celebrate whatever modifications we take. I think that's great advice because I don't think that's that obvious. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I, it, 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 it might feel obvious to you, but I don't think so. Like, I think hearing that just even as a participant of a workout, like hearing that to me you know, I would feel a little bit more comfortable. I just assume I'm doing something wrong. Right. Well, this actually goes into the second question, which I I mentioned earlier was, um, how do I not feel less than if I'm doing a modification during a workout? It makes me feel like I'm not strong enough. Oh, I mean, that's that's diet culture right there. Like, that's what that is. And I mean, that has to come from. Yeah, it has to come from inner work. 
It has to. I try, like I said, I try not to focus on body positivity because I think body positivity is just as exhausting as body negativity. So I try to focus on body neutrality. And like, honestly, we're all going to get old and saggy someday. Like we, (laughs) we are. And that's kind of grim. But when you think about it that way, it helps you think about your body less and like what it looks like less. And you're going to start thinking about how you feel more. And like what actually matters is that what kind of person you are and how you treat people the other 23 hours of your day when you're not at your workout and how you show up for your family and friends and how you love people and how you show up and impact the world, right? That Those are things that I think matter significantly. Like no one's going to remember if you had a six pack when you were 20, when you're 80, they're going to remember the kind of legacy you left and the kind of the way you made people feel. And I think those things are just really important. And I think I view exercise and nutrition as a tool for me to feel my best to show up in those other areas. And that's why I exercise. And so I always encourage, like, I do not, if, if my students send me before and after pictures, great. I never ask them to, I never ask them to weigh themselves, never focus on weight loss, never like none of that. We don't do like shred it or whatever. Like there's nothing that talks about like, Oh, where we have to look a certain way or feel a certain way. It's all about like, we're going to show up and we're going to, exercise and we're going to do this so we can show up and be better people in the rest of our lives. That's it. Totally. So something you just said about like body positivity being just as harmful as body negativity. Can you sort of describe the nuances between positivity and neutrality? Like how someone can actually like enact that in their own, like the way they speak to themselves. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, I just think, I think body positivity is just as exhausting. Like I said, um, I don't think it's possible for anybody to be constantly positive about anything 100% of the time, whether it's your body, your career, your partner, your mental health, like there's, it's just impossible. And when we are immersed in this culture that is telling us that we're not good enough and that we should try to modify our body to look a certain way, or we should live up to these ridiculous standards, it's even more impossible. And so what I try to do, it's almost like, you know, there's a magnifying lens on it, whether it's neutral or sorry, whether it's body positivity or it's body negativity, it feels like there's always this like magnifying glass where you're just like hyper examining your body all the time. And I just, I, the visual I try to use, I try to take the magnifying glass off. And when I start to like feel myself going too far in either direction, I start, I literally list or write out either list out loud or write down three things that have nothing to do with my body or my appearance that I love about myself. It's really simple and it sounds cheesy, but like just doing that forces me, it forces the pathways in your brain to focus on something else. It's not just like thinking it, you actually write it down or you said, say it out loud and it becomes common practice and it's like positive affirmations. So (laughs) double duty, you get your positive affirmations in at the same time that you get um, body neutrality and some new coping skills. Yeah, that's so important, especially because like when you try to like force yourself to think positively about something you actually feel negatively about, it completely creates like a reaction in the opposite direction and it's confusing. Um, But okay, so the Olympics are starting today, apparently. (laughs) Um, And I feel like this year has had so many like snafus leading up to it. And one that I wanted to get your opinion on, which is about the Olympian Becca Myers being Mm. denied her personal care assistant at the Olympics. 
And can you talk a little bit about that situation? Yeah, it's fucking horseshit is what it is. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, I'm not super surprised because we live in a very ableist society and the Olympics are showing all kinds of awful gaps this year. Um, It's why the fuck do we have the Paralympics in the first place if we're not going to allow people to participate with all of the things that they need? Like, this is, I mean, it's really interesting. I'm actually, I'm, I love talking about this. So obviously they're called the Paralympics, but there's also been like the Special Olympics and other things like that, right? And the term special needs is really going out. Like people do not want to be referred to that as anymore. And this is why, I mean, I'll Trump pumps, I'll tie it back. This is why. Because our needs are not special. Her requiring a PCA is not a special accommodation. It is what she needs to live and have her basic human needs and rights met. And that is why we don't like the term special needs anymore, because when it's viewed as like special or special needs, then people look at situations like this and think it's an insane accommodation when actually it is her right to have somebody there. It is for her it's how she can live. She can't do it without this. This isn't some special accommodation. This is what she needs to survive and do her job and have dignity. And when that becomes special or like a special accommodation, the whole conversation gets really warped. And that's why like, it's really hard when we refer to things with people with disabilities as special needs or special accommodations. It really right. hurts the, like, the effort that advocates are trying to make systemically. That makes a lot of sense. So the Olympics have botched a lot of things. Like you really see the cracks this year with how they just like are really only accepting like a white Eurocentric standard yeah. for everything. Like the swim caps just so that has been a complete shame. But who knows if the Olympics will actually like complete themselves. We'll see. I, yeah, it, it's a fucking shit show. That's for sure. So we had another listener DM. I wanted to ask you about this, about the term or your perspective or somebody asked about your perspective on the term disabled as being part of one's identity. This person was just asking, like, would love to hear your perspective on that term. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the word disabled is not a dirty word. The word disabled is a fantastic word. I absolutely identify as a woman with a disability. I also am fine with the term disabled person. Um, Person with disability and disabled person are the two most common terms a lot of people for a long time did not like being referred to as a disabled person they wanted to do person first identity because the concept was disability is not a bad thing but I'm a person before my disability which I understand mm-hmm. from the other perspective is why are, like th- I am a disabled person this is a part of my identity you can't separate it from me so I want to own this and be proud of it so I mean a great rule of thumb is to ask the individual how they refer to their disability or how they prefer to refer to it. Um, when in doubt, I always say do people with disabilities. So that's the term that is like the most common. And I mean, I think, I think if people are afraid to refer to somebody as the person with a disability, they should maybe ask themselves why, like, mm-hmm. why does that feel strange to you? Why does that feel like disrespectful to you? Because it's not, The only reason it would feel that way is because society has made disability to be something that, you know, feels like something you should be ashamed of or something you want to hide. And not like I don't want to beat this person up. I'm just saying, like, this is this is this happens for a lot of people. I get asked this all the time. And I do ask you, like, why why do you 
why does that feel uncomfortable to call me a person with a disability? Because there's been times when I've posted something on Instagram and somebody's like, oh, you're not disabled. You're differently abled. And I'm like, no, I am disabled. I'm actually very proud to be a disabled woman. Like 20% of our population has a disability. Like we need to get, we need to normalize this. And so, yeah, person with a disability or disabled woman are the terms of choice. Yeah, I think that that is so important just because that is something that definitely changed. I will say my brother, my brother had autism. He, he passed, but that's why I say had. Um, and my mom was always very like conscious about how to refer to him or how to like how I would refer to him. Um, like the R word was like very mm. much banned from the home and yeah. and just everything and society did catch up to that so mm. um that was really important but yeah it was definitely it is definitely a question you know kind of a personal a personal thing but i i also think that one of the reasons people are afraid to refer to like to call out someone's very obvious disability often is like ableism it's like mm. It, you're you're inherently saying like I don't want to call attention to it because like my way is my without a disability right. way is better or mm. more comfortable and, yeah yeah mm-hmm. and I think that that's just I think probably in terms of everything there is a lot of room to learn about what ableism is and how it manifests totally yeah I mean a hundred percent I see that a lot and I mean Sammy I would be really interested i mean it's a wellness podcast so if we can get away from fitness for a little bit how with coming from your perspective and seeing all the vaccine hesitancy because of the anti-vaxxers and the i also i mean i had a tweet that went not betches viral but pretty viral for minnesota standards (laughs) about uh like um how all of the vaccine hesitancy is just ableism it's just ableism despite it having no scientific backing so i would be really interested to hear some of your perspectives because a lot of the myths going around is that it does cause autism which first of all i'll go on the record and say autism people with autism are amazing and have deserve just as much dignity and quality of life as everyone else so that's ridiculous that people are making it such a stink about it um but also it's not true so i'd love to hear kind of your perspective through that well, I think there's two things. I think you first have the people who are like, I'm just going to strengthen my own immune system. And so I don't need <laughs> it or like I'll survive. Really? And it's like, okay, like that is ableist because some oh. people uh-huh. cannot possibly strengthen their own immune system to yeah. the point. And even if they could, like that's bullshit. That person, yeah. has, those people have no clue what they're talking about medically. But yeah. then also like, the vaccine is not only to protect you as we're seeing their breakthrough infections all the time. And the idea that it's just about you and not about everybody taking it, like uh, not Mm. about protection, protection of everyone like Mm. is, is also like obviously another selfish consideration. And yeah, I mean, I don't know so much about, I I know that like for years people have said vaccines cause autism and yeah that's just like its own its own piece but now i think it's like taken off to another level like you're gonna be microchipped (laughs) yeah Yeah. and it's scary how mainstream it is too right so i'm curious kelsey your take on on like that specifically i will say i mean this year was a hard year for everyone but it was very triggering i think during the initial parts of the vaccine rollout and even still some of the hesitancy now we're seeing more deadly variants pop up and the people who need others to get the vaccine 
are the people who can't. Right. And the people who do have disabilities or chronic illnesses where they actually cannot. And it's not some like fake thing, right? Um, and or even just wearing a mask, right? There are it is so difficult for some people with disabilities to wear masks and they still do it because they need to protect themselves. And then you see the blatant just throwing, no, I don't care. I'm not going to wear it. doesn't matter. It doesn't affect, I'm going to survive. And you're just not thinking about anybody but yourself. And it's, it's really heartbreaking for me. And I mean, I kind of touched on this earlier, but like some, one of the things that really catalysted me into like changing my views on my own disability and disability advocacy for other marginalized communities, especially was, I saw my parents' advocacy for me, but it didn't extend past that. Right. That like, is, they, yeah. They didn't They didn't care that Donald Trump was mocking a disabled reporter. They didn't care. They didn't care that his policies were going to negatively affect people with disabilities. They didn't care. And I was like, you realize that, like, Betsy DeVos is going to fucking cut all the education, the special ed budget. I mean, that's what they call it, so I'm going to call it that, right? I wish they had a different name, but yeah. she's going to gut the special ed budget. And they didn't care. And I'm like, I needed special ed. I needed special ed. I had an IEP. I was pulled from class for those dumbass gym classes. But how do I make my living now? Right. Yeah. yeah. And also the other, my other job was I was like, you know, I do a lot of writing and I'm a producer. Like the other thing I needed a lot of special ed and physical therapy in school for was writing. I couldn't grip a pencil. So like right. the two ways that I make my income and my living now I need it because of special ed. And if I didn't have that, I'd be living off the government. I'd be right, living off social security. And that's what you guys want to cut too. Like what, so then what? Like, I'm so glad that I have a, you know, upper middle-class white family that if I needed it could take care of me. But what about everyone who doesn't? And so, right. yeah, it's just, this year has been really triggering. So you just see everyone that's like, only thinking about themselves only thinking about how does right. this affect me and one of i don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie crip camp it is the best documentary i've ever seen it's i mean it's the obama's first documentary film yeah. from their production company um i actually saw it for the first time after i saw it on christmas day and at christmas eve one of my family members decided it was going to be a good use to, good idea to use the r word in a conversation with me and i uh, let them have it <laughs> and i came home and i had been meaning to watch that film because my other job is i'm a producer and so i've been w wanting to watch it i was like i'm watching this film today and i promise you i just sobbed the whole time because intersectionality and like codependency in like a really healthy way of like people with disabilities helping other people with disabilities fill the gaps are the foundation that all of disability advocacy was built on all we do is think about each other Right. I mean, I think something that people don't seem to grasp is the difference between public health and health. Public mm. health is about the overall health. It's like a rising tide lifts all boats type of thing. Yes. And like, it's not just being healthy for yourself, because the whole point is that like, if the general welfare of the, the population is low, your health is going to be worse. And people just don't seem to like understand like it's not just about like whether you can take vitamin C. <laughs> totally. Well, also like then let's get into like the inequalities of how often like I mean if you don't have access to healthy food or you don't have the finances if you're in a food yeah. desert, then what? Yeah. Then oh, what? we I drove across country with my husband this this pandemic and there is no food like in all yeah. like for several states like there is no 
like the only food you can get like off the highway is maybe like three fast food brands. Right. Like there's not even fast food variety. That's what's like so messed up. And then you get these like wellness influencers, which is also super frustrating because I saw so much of the anti-vax movement come from like ableist sides, but then also like the yoga sides. And I was like, are you kidding me? I feel like I respect three people after this pandemic. Right. It's like you're shopping at Erewhon for everything organic. And you're like, like, do you get that? Like you are like the only one who can do that. Like just because you and all your friends can do that doesn't mean that like the random person can do that. Right. So, and it just, yeah, it just screams ignorance. Yeah, it's it's very frustrating. But Kelsey, this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you Thank so you much so for much. joining us. Thank we would you. love to have you back one day. That'll be amazing. And Thank you so much. I love talking to you guys. Yeah, this has been awesome. Can you share? I know you teach classes and you do all sorts of things. Can you share how people can find you or interested yeah. in taking your various... Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, com is my website. You can find information about all the different types of classes in our community. We've got a very social justice minded community too. So we give 20% of all of our monthly costs to a different charity each month. So um, it's a really fun community and everyone's really nice and it's all body neutral and I'll kick your ass in a really fun way. I promise. (laughs) Um, And then uh, Kelsey underscore Lindell on Instagram. I'm going to be honest with you for the next like month. All you're going to see is wedding photos. But after that, we're back to the congrats. Congrats. Thank you. Fourth wedding date. So we're pumped. Oh, wait. So you did. Did you get married yet? No, in two weeks. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Congratulations. So 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 we're very pumped. Oh my gosh. So you're busy. H- hence so. the month. You get a full month of nothing but wedding shade and then I'll maybe go back to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm no, excited. That, those are the most exciting to, to see, watch. honestly. Yeah, so, yeah. Cool. Well, nice to meet you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And everyone, please go follow Kelsey. Look at her wedding and <laughs> like her pictures. <laughs> and you can follow us at Die Starts Tomorrow. I'm at Aileen. Sammy's at Sammy. And you can email us DST at Betches.com if you have any more questions for us, for Kelsey, you know, just the general people at Betches, whatever you want. And go rate, review, subscribe everywhere. DST Back for Seconds is still amazing. We have two episodes a month, extra bonus episodes. So go subscribe right now on Apple and Spotify. And we're always with you through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong and Sean Kilby. Social media by Sydney Rafe. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com. Betches.